Well, we've been talking about what subject? Reaching your maximum potential. Uh, this is actually number four, reaching your maximum potential. And God wants us to tap into our full potential in life in every single area. I don't want to have any regrets when I leave this earth. Amen. I plan on living a long life on this earth. God promises us long, strong life. And I plan on being around here a long time. Amen. I want to do more damage on the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. How many of you know he deserves that? Praise God. And give God the glory. Hallelujah. But there, there, are, there are some things that we can tap into that I believe God put on my heart to reach our maximum potential. And I, I want to just give, uh, mention the first couple of things that we talked about, principles. And thank God for CDs. We can go back and we can listen to those uh, messages. But we talked about the first principle was to reach your maximum potential in life regardless of what you do. Okay, whether you're a businessman, a businesswoman, a, a housewife, whatever your vocation is, whatever you're involved with right now, the first thing we need to do is ask God for wisdom every single day. Ask God for daily wisdom. Say, ask God for godly wisdom. Okay, it didn't take long to do that. You can say, Father, I'm asking you today. I do this every single day since God put this on my heart. I say, Father, I'm asking you today. Now, I may not feel a blasted thing. That's okay. You don't have to feel anything. Amen. Wouldn't it be kind of unnerving if, if I had to feel you every time I saw you? Say, I'm going to make sure you're there. You know what I'm saying? That will get on anybody's nerves. Amen. You don't have to feel God to know that he's there. He's there because he said he is. Amen. And uh, to ask God for wisdom every day. And the Bible says if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Hallelujah. And it can come, I'm telling you, it can come through another person. It can come through a thought that he gives you, a concept, an idea. Uh, sometimes God speaks through other people that you least expect, but it's the answer that you need. So number one is ask, ask for wisdom. Number two we talked about to uh, develop your maximum potential was to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the main thing that we talked about in that, that session was to recognize the fact where the scripture says three separate times where Paul said your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when you recognize that and you acknowledge that, it's easier to be led by something that you realize is already on the inside. Acknowledging. If I acknowledge anybody in this room right here and I mention your name, that puts the attention on you. Well, when you recognize and you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, and I say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then I'm, I'm recognizing him. It's not just Brother Keith just walking around. Okay? I'm so glad it's not just me walking around. It's Jesus using my body like he's using your body. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. I've seen some of the greatest miracles take place in my life and other people's lives when I begin to concentrate on the fact my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There have been times where I had, through the years where people had me pray for them that had really bad situations. I mean like terminal situations. And instead of getting freaked out by that and getting alarmed by that and getting under pressure by that, sometimes we put ourselves under pressure. We have to remind ourselves we're not the healer anyway. I like what Brother Kenneth E. Hagin says. He goes, 
And he, God used him mightily in the healing ministry. But I, this is kind of a, I don't know if it's a Texan colloquial, local thing. He used to say this. He says, I couldn't heal a fly's eyeball. I couldn't heal a gnat's wing. <laughs> he says, but Jesus living in me can heal anything. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that takes the pressure off of us. And then we realize, wait a minute, who's the healer? Who's the healer? God is. Jesus is, right? Well, if you're a Christian, guess where he lives? In your spirit. Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So number two, recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. I like what T.L. Osborne said years ago, and he had tremendous revival, but not at first, in the continent of Africa especially. And then in the Philippines and some other, Brazil and the South American countries. And, you know, of course, when he travels like that, you know, you see all major religions, right? And they claim to be the way, but they're not the way. Jesus is the only one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And he said this, Christianity is different from every religion because the God that we worship actually comes to make his home on the inside of us. The Buddhists can't say that. People that serve Muhammad can't say that because they're still dead and they're in a grave. But if you go to Jesus' grave there in Jerusalem, it's still empty because he rose from the dead. But these other people that people said they were God, they're not God, they're dead, they're in a hole in the ground. Okay? But Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Amen? Amen. He is alive and he is real. Glory to God. And he's doing pretty good right now. Amen? And he just happens to live on the inside of us. So we need to become God inside minded. And the more we become God inside minded, um, the the best way that I know to do that is by confessing what the word of God says about you. How many of you were here last week and you received that confessional, those, those scriptures? Okay, if you didn't, we still have some copies on that back counter. I really encourage you to pick that up afterwards. And it's just, uh, well, it's right here. Okay, it's just two pages. And it only takes you about a, a minute to go through these. But it, it says things like, I, I am alive in Christ, Ephesians 2.5. I am complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power, Colossians 2.10. And there's scriptures on here that tell you who you are in Christ. Amen? So anyway... That was the second thing, recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. The third thing that we are going to get into today, which we started last week, is we have to see ourselves as God sees us. It's important that you see yourself like God sees you. Why is that so important? Because your feelings can tell you otherwise. And you can base how you think God feels about you based upon how someone else feels about you. Now, have you ever been around somebody that didn't quite accept you and you had to do certain things to feel like you were accepted in their sight? Anybody been there before? Just a few of us here? Okay. Let's be honest. I mean, that's not a very comfortable place to be when you feel like you have to perform in order to be accepted by someone. Well, God is not like that. Aren't you glad? He believes in you. He sees you and he believes in you. He sees you through the blood of his cross and his love is unconditional towards you. Glory to God. 
And so go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to notice verse 17. We started this last week, but I'm going to pick it up here again today. The third step, the third principle to reaching your maximum potential is to see yourself as God sees you. Now, in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is bondage. <laughs> no, what's it say? I think some people translate it that way. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's liberty. Well, what's that mean? Oh, freedom. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God I'm free at last. Amen. <laughs> Heard that statement before. Amen. But listen, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's great liberty and there's great freedom. Now look at verse 18. It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass. Now we use the word mirror. It's actually mirror. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now we brought this out last week, and I'll just mention it again uh, briefly. That when it uses the word right here, we, we, we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. It's actually, we would use the word mirror. Okay? Now the Word of God, as I said last week, I, I love this because my, my pastor that was in Colleen, Texas, when we worked there when we were like 22 years old, long time ago. And, and, uh, and he used this illustration. I'll never forget it. It changed my life. He said, the Word of God is a spiritual mirror, and the Word of God doesn't tell you what you look like physically. Now, all of this here, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning before you got here? Okay. How many of you are not sure? <laughs> See. <laughs> I got two ladies in the house, and I'm telling you what, they wear our mirrors out. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's why they're more beautiful than us, right? <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, that, that mirror, we're all familiar with a mirror, and there probably doesn't go a day, a day doesn't go by where you're not looking in the mirror at some point. In fact, you don't even think about it. It's like second nature. You don't even bat an eye, but it's so part of your routine that you don't even think about it. But why do you look in the mirror? You look in the mirror to get an exact image. Or do I look all right before I step outside or whatever? You know what I'm saying? No, some people don't care. But, you know, for the most part, you want to look good. You want to look presentable. Amen. And that's a physical mirror. We know what that's all about. Now, the Word of God is also a mirror, but it's not physical. It's spiritual. And when you look into the Word of God, it gives you a picture of what you look like. And we used the illustration last week about those funny mirrors, you know, when they, you put in like carnivals and amusement parks and some restaurants I've been in, where the, uh, the uh, mirror, one mirror makes you look like you're about nine foot wide. The other one looks like you're about 12 foot tall and in a distorted images, you know. We know that those are not true images, right? We look at that and we laugh. We have a good time. People laugh and rightfully so, right? Okay. But, you know, if somebody walked in front of that mirror and they saw themselves and, they, and you were watching them, they said, oh, my God, I didn't know I looked like that. You, you would go over and console them and say, honey, it's, it's okay. It's a distorted image. That's, no, no, I saw myself in there. No, that's a distorted image. And see, that's what the devil has done through the years is try to create a distorted image of what you really look like. 
But he's a liar. And he's the father of lies. And he cannot speak the truth. Never. So if he says, if his jaws are flapping, he's lying. Well, Pastor Keith, how do I know when the devil's talking to me? Do I see him appear in a red suit and pajamas and, a, and, a, and horns and a pitchfork? No. i tell you how you know the devil's talking to you when you feel depressed, when you feel fear, when you're afraid. Fearful thoughts come into your mind. That's how you know Satan and demons are talking to you. And we've all had that happen to us. Okay? We just have to just go, boom. Amen? Get them off your shoulder. Say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that thought, that negative thought. How many of you here have ever had a negative thought? A few times. Well, you know, it's, it's probably on a daily basis, okay? But I, I love the illustration Brother Hagin used to use. He said, you know, you cannot help bad thoughts from coming to you any more than you can help birdies from flying over your head. He goes, but you do have control whether they land on your head and build a nest. Okay? Thoughts, bad thoughts, wicked thoughts come to every Christian. But it's not your thought. And the devil will say, oh, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't be thinking that. Let me tell you something. The devil can bring a thought and then condemn you with it, make you think like it's your thought, like you took ownership. No, that's not your thought. Okay? I have negative thoughts come about me. I have negative thoughts come about other people. But you know what? I've learned to train myself. I know where that thought is coming from. And Satan, you're a liar. Hallelujah. And so the Word of God is a spiritual mirror. And that's what these scriptures are all about right here. Okay? That you look in that and say, wait a minute, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a spiritual mirror. I'm looking at that and say, I may not feel like it, but the Bible says, I am the righteousness of God because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says you're holy before God. You're sanctified before God. It's all in these scriptures right here. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's a good start. Okay? Glory to God. And so we talked about how you see yourself. It's very, very important. Okay? Now in the book of James, James says, I'm, let me just, because of time, let me just quote this. He says in James 1.22, But if you be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man beholding himself, his natural face in a mirror, and he sees himself, but then he goes away and he forget what manner of man he, he was. And that's in the book of James. All right. So there again we have that, that phrase mirror again, or glass. When you look into the word of God, it tells you who you are. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, all of this had a starting point, right? I mean, I got saved in 1976. Of the month of May, the bicentennial year of Memorial Day weekend, I was 16 years old, and somebody presented the gospel to me, and I received Jesus. I started. That was my starting point. That's not the finish line. That was the starting point. And so from that time until now, you know, 40-some years later, I've, I'm developing and becoming more conscious and seeing myself in the Word of God of this is... See, I didn't know anything. When I first got saved, didn't know nothing. I just knew I was blind, but now I see. And, and I was thankful for that. Okay? Because I was lost. I was a 16-year-old lost person. I would have died and gone to hell if I didn't know Jesus. 
But somebody presented Jesus to me in a, in a way that I could hear it and receive it. And I received it. I grasped it. Got a hold of it. But you see, it wasn't until about two or three years later that I was actually in a good church where I was hearing truths just like you're hearing right now. Then it was just like the scales were lifted off my eyes and I began to see of who I am in Christ. Now, see, here's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people get saved, but they never, that's about as far as they go. In other words, they got their fire insurance. You know what that means? They're not going to hell. But that's about as far as they go. That's about as far as they develop spiritually. They, they just get saved, but then they're still thinking like the world, acting like the world, living like the world, okay, talking like the world, because our minds need to be renewed with the Word of God. In other words, our minds need a bath. And how do you do that? With the Word of God. With the Word of God. Amen. And so that's, that's part of our development. And we don't stop. I'm still developing. I'll still grow. I'm still hungry for God. And I want more of Him. I want more of Him. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry for God. I need Him more than the air I breathe. I need Him more than my next heartbeat. I need Him more than anything else because it's His presence that sustains me in this life. Jesus. Say Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Don't ever stop chasing after God. Okay? I chased my wife back in the early 80s, and I haven't stopped yet. Still chasing her. Amen? Enjoy the chase. It's wonderful. Amen? And when you, when you fall in love with Jesus and you realize just how good He is, He's full of compassion, full of mercy in Psalm 145, and you realize how good He is, you will not want to stay away from Him. You'll be like, oh God, I've got to have more of you. Amen. Amen? The Scripture says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Has anybody here ever eaten at a good restaurant? Maybe it's your first time and you're like, Oh my goodness, that was phenomenal. I can't wait to go back there. And so you look for the first opportunity to share that with somebody else. Say, you know, you got to try this restaurant. We had that happen to us recently. Okay? And, uh, and so you hear about it, but then you go check it out for yourself and you realize, you know what, it's better than they even said. Okay? That's the way the Lord is, is when you taste and see of His goodness and how much He loves you and how much He cares for you and how much He wants intimate fellowship with you. You know, the thing that, and I hate to use this phrase, but it's the only thing I can think of, the thing that turns God on more than anything else is His intimacy with you. That's what thrills Him more than anything else. Did you know that? See, the whole reason there was a death and a burial and a resurrection Ultimately, is so that you can have fellowship with the Father. And John says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. And I write these things unto you that your joy can be absolutely overflowing full. Amen. I mean, stop and think about it. The God that made the universe, the planets, the solar system, things you can see beyond things you can see, he made it all with the span of his hand. <laughs> Think about that. That's how big our God is. Yet, he wants to have intimacy and fellowship with you. Amen. Amen. 
Man, I'm telling you, do not let, feel the preach coming on me this morning. Glory to God. Don't let your past, don't let your past determine how your future is going to turn out. We've all made mistakes. God's bigger than all that stuff. Every person has made mistakes. I'm so glad that as you read your Bible, God did not choose perfect people. Did you happen to notice that? The Bible says David was a man after God's heart. But, you know, how would you like to have a book written of all your sins for the whole world to see? We know what happened with David and Bathsheba. We know what happened to her husband. Okay. He had him killed to cover it up on the battlefield, you know. And here's a man after God's heart. Okay. I mean, you look at Moses who killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand. Okay. These are not perfect. All the prophets, they were not perfect people. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for perfect hearts. That if you have a heart after Him, I don't care what kind of a checkered past you've had, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, who killed Christians, thinking he was doing God's service. Y'all remember him? Oh, what a, I mean, people knew about Saul of Tarsus. Oh, what an evil man he was. But he thought, he was so deceived, he thought he was doing God's service by killing Christians and wreaking havoc on the church, going into houses and tearing apart families, bringing them, dragging them out. And Stephen was there. He stoned, he was responsible for the death of Stephen by stoning him. And yet, when he came to Jesus, everything was transformed. Uh, He never brought up his past again. (laughs) Glory to God. Because the blood is so big, the blood of Jesus is so powerful, can wipe out your past as if you're a little a newborn baby. Amen. I remember when our kids were born, you know, and we were there at Upper St. Clair Hospital, you know. And I remember for the first time, especially when Josh was born, this is our first child. There's this big window that, that wrapped around this where they have all the newborns, all the newbies, you know. And you go and you look and you see, and you see like pink and blue, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> blankets. And all, their little name tags on top of that. And they're just little babies that are in there. Wouldn't it be crazy if somebody looked in there and said, oh, what an awful past you've had. You look at them and say, you're nuts. They, just, they were just born. They don't have a past. That's right. When you're born again, your past is wiped out. I don't care how bad it was. So don't let the enemy bring up your past and say, look at how many mistakes you've made. Look at how many failures you made. Look at how you blew this and you blew that and you made mistakes. Hey, it's under the blood. And God's a good Good at fresh starts and new beginnings. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let's, uh, let's further build on this this morning in the time left that we have here. Uh, go to Luke chapter 4 for a minute here. It's kind of interesting because we're talking about looking, seeing yourself as God sees you. That's the third principle. That's very important. That's more important than your social security number. <laughs> It's, it's so important that you know how God sees you. Now, what's kind of interesting that we're going to look at here, you know Jesus did the same thing? He would not ask you to do something and look into the spiritual mirror that He didn't first do Himself. Now, I want to show this, show this to you here. In Luke chapter 4, we'll pick up in verse 16. And, it came, and Jesus, and He came to Nazareth in verse 16 where he had been brought up. 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So, if you wanted to find Jesus on the Sabbath day, where did you look? We'd say church, right? Synagogue. When the the Sabbath came, where was he? In church. Jesus went to church. Amen. And it says, that was his custom. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him. Now, this is a scroll, folks. He says, there was delivered unto him the book of prophet Isaiah. And when he read, he opened the book. He found the place where it is written. Now, he's about to quote Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Okay? He, he pulled this. This is not a book. It's a scroll, and he opens it up. Okay? And to this day, in Jewish synagogues, they have the scrolls. They use scrolls. Just like they did, you know, over 2,000 years ago. And so he opened up uh, the book in verse 17. He found the place where it was written in Isaiah 61. And here's what he read in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that wonderful? Now what's good news to a poor man? You don't have to stay poor anymore. Not you have to stay broke. He preached the gospel to the poor. That means I have good news for you. You don't have to stay that way. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that, liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, And verse 20 says, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bore witness and wondered at his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, now here's what they said, the people's response was, Is this not Joseph's son? Now, what's wrong with that saying? Is this not Joseph's son? Was he Joseph's son? No. (laughs) Almost got you there, didn't I? (laughs) Okay. Joseph was his stepfather. God was his father, right? So, in other words, they were looking at him only from the natural standpoint. Okay? From the flesh standpoint. Okay. Now, when it says that Jesus closed the book and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, and he closed the book, and notice that he sat down. Now, what's that all about? Every synagogue had a particular chair that was reserved for the Messiah. Nobody sat and even dared sit in that chair. Now, when I was growing up, my dad had a chair, and you didn't want to get close to that chair. But we're, we're talking about religious customs here, Jewish customs. Every synagogue in that part of the country over in the Far East had a particular chair that was reserved for the Messiah. Nobody would sit and would dare even sit in that chair. But guess what? Jesus read the scripture, closed the scroll, went over and he sat down in the chair, which meant I am the Messiah. Okay? Now, let's go down a couple of verses and let's watch the response of the people that were there in that church service in the synagogue, all right? Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 28. 
And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with joy and gladness. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says they were filled with wrath. Now, what's wrath? What's a synonym for wrath? Anger. Right? They weren't happy about this. Okay? Now, they, they should have, could have, should have jumped up and said, My God, we're here. The Messiah is here. We receive Him. That's what they, that should have been their response. But it was just the opposite. They got ticked off. They got mad. They got angry. And it says right here, in verse 29, it says, And they rose up, and they thrust Him out of the city, and they led Him to the, the brow of the hill, whereupon the city was built, that they might cast Him down headlong. <laughs> but He, passing through their midst, Went on his way. God supernaturally delivered him. Just slipped right through the crowd. Now, guess what? This city is still there today. There's still a cliff there today. You can go there and you can see the very cliff that they would have tried to throw Jesus over the cliff and kill him. Now, as far as we know, this is Jesus' very first sermon. Amen? Amen? There was no big, you know, posters, welcome back Jesus, you know, we're glad you're here. There was none of this. Jesus read Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. You might say it like this. Jesus looked into the mirror, found himself, and he declared that before the people. They rejected it to the point they wanted to kill him. Hallelujah. I don't know if he was like body surfing, but they, they carried him out there. They were going to throw him over the cliff and say, ah, enough of this. But, but God supernaturally came through and he just disappeared. He came through them. That's probably why Judas always thought that he could say something to him and God will just deliver him again. Yeah. Right? Because they saw him get delivered in certain situations. This was supernatural deliverance right here. Okay? And um, the angels came and... Rescued him. Glory to God. Because he, that's not how he was going to lay his life down. Jesus even said, no man can take my life. He goes, I lay my life down. No man has the power to take my life until I lay my life down. And that's what happened with him. That's even, in the, even the Apostle Paul said, he says, I fought the faith. I finished my course. Amen. He says, I've run my race. I finished my course. They couldn't kill him until he laid his life down. They tried to. Praise God. There's some revelation in that. But here's the, here's the point that I want to bring out this morning is that Jesus found his identity in the Word of God like you and I do. And when he read Isaiah, verses 1 and 61, verse 1 and 2, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit in him bore witness and said, That's you. That's you. And so he got his identity from the Word of God. He looked into the scripture and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Amen. Do you know scripture can be, prophecy can be fulfilled in your life by just agreeing with what the word of God says? Do you know that? You and I are meant to fulfill prophecy. Let me give you an example. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17. He's quoting Isaiah 53. 
It says that it might be fulfilled. And when you believe the word and you confess what the word says and you claim what the word says, you are actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. How many of you ever stood on the word of God for physical healing in your life and you got healed? I don't care if it was a hangnail. Who cares? You know, it could be anything. And and God came through for you and healed you quickly, right? You just fulfilled scripture. As it is written, as it is written, you'll see that throughout the ministry of Jesus, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. And all these things were taking place. Jesus found himself in the scriptures. And I tell you, I'll be honest with you, this is the most powerful way to develop, I think, personally, I've never seen anything more powerful than to develop yourself spiritually as you find yourself in the scriptures. Now, Someone asks, well, Pastor Keith, well, you know, if I look into the scriptures, I can't see my name written there. It doesn't say to Mary or Jane, you know, my name's not written in there. I know that. But there's other ways that you can find yourself in the scripture. Okay? Now, these, here's the scriptures that I, I, I was giving you right here. Now, if you see the term in the New Testament, particularly in the New Testament, primarily the epistles, the letters that are written to the church, if you find the phrase, in Christ, in Him, by Him, through him. These are all prepositions. That's a picture of you. Amen? Now, anybody here ever have a group picture with your family before? You ever get? We got some group pictures that go back many, many years, you know. When you get a group picture, there's people that are in your group picture. When you see the picture for the first time, who do you look for? You're looking for yourself, right? You're not like, oh, look at Aunt Jane. You know what I mean? First thing you look at is, do I look all right? <laughs> and the thing is, nobody else cares, but you care. Say, man, I look terrible there. You know what I mean? Nobody else cares, you know? But my point being is this. When you see yourself in a group picture, you're looking for yourself. Now, the Bible is a group picture, and it shows you who you are, you find yourself in the scriptures. Let me give you an example. This is one scripture. I would say the first scripture I remember doing this with was 2 Corinthians 5.17. There it says, Therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. See that phrase, in Christ? That's a preposition. It shows your relationship with Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. You know what I did? I underlined the word in Christ and I wrote in my Bible above that. I got that first Bible I had, that Thompson Chain Bible at home that I used at Bible school. And I wrote above there, Keith. (laughs) And so I'd read it like this. Therefore, if Keith be in Christ, which I am, then Keith is a new creation or new creature. Old things have passed away and everything has become brand new. Now I began to practice that by saying it. And I still still do it to this day. I've lost track of how many years have come and gone, but... You just don't graduate from these things. You continually do them. You, you keep it fresh before you. How many of you like fresh food every day? How many of you like to eat last week's food? It might have been good last week, but you want to have fresh food. And we need fresh revelation every day. Glory to God. And you can take a scripture that you read before, bring it up before you, and it's like a fresh meal for the day. I am in Christ. I am a new creature. I am looking into that spiritual mirror, and I see myself 
as a new creation. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's how God sees me. Now, if God sees me as a new creature, then I see me as a new creature. Hallelujah. Boy, you talk about giving yourself a boost of self-esteem. That's how you do it. But it's not just self-esteem. It's godly esteem, how He sees you. And when you see yourself like God sees you, then you begin to rise up. You begin to rise up. Amen? Remember remember that story back? It's kind of an odd odd story back in the Old Testament where Jacob, remember that? He would put, uh, uh, had something to do with lambs and sheep and stuff like that, and he put, he would put uh, pieces of, uh, uh, he would stripe and speckled. Remember that? He put them in front of the sheep, and when the sheep would go to the watering trough and they would mate, they would produce speckled and spotted sheep. Because what the sheep saw affected their inner image, and they began to produce after that. Amen. Where prior to that, they weren't. All right? And, uh, you know, Jacob, his name means deceiver. (laughs) You know? And he was a wily creature, you know, and then God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. He became the father of Israel. From Jacob to Israel. Changed his name, and he had the 12 sons, which were the 12 tribes of Israel. That's where it all started. But, you know, there's a principle there because what you set before you is what you will produce. The picture, the image that you set before you. You ought to, you ought to have pictures and images of yourself, what you want to become, not what you are now, but what you want to become. Okay? See yourself healthy. See yourself having more than enough. See yourself because that's how God sees you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm so excited. I want a parasail right now. I mean, <laughs> I did that once, okay, when I was a kid. I'll tell you, it was awesome. So, uh, Jesus found himself in the scriptures. Let's go over to one more scripture in the Gospel of John. Oh, thank you, Lord. In John's Gospel, you say, well, Pastor, that was Jesus. I understand that. Jesus found himself in the scriptures. Uh, Let's look at somebody else that wasn't the Messiah that found himself in the scriptures. And let's, let's take a look at this. In John chapter 1, verses 22, we'll wrap this up here today. It says, in verse 22, they said unto him, that's John the Baptist, who art thou? In other words, who are you? Question mark. That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou thyself? Question mark. In verse 23, John said, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said in the prophet Isaiah, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Now, John the Apostle, I'm not, yeah, John the Apostle right here, or John the Baptist, I'm sorry. All these Johns, right? John the Baptist, they asked him a question, who are you, who do you think you are? He said this. Now, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. And I'll quote that. It says, The voice of him that that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert the highway for our God. John the Baptist found himself in the Scriptures, in the book of Isaiah. When they asked him, 
Who are you? What's the deal? What's your, what are you doing here? He says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight his path. Was he not? Yes, he was. You know what's, what's kind of interesting about John the Baptist? John the Baptist believed in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> For John to be a Baptist, he believed in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Just stop and think. You say, my Baptist, they don't believe in tongues. They don't believe in the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm telling you, John the Baptist did. Amen. He goes, I baptize, you with a whole, I baptize you with water, but there's coming one after me whose shoe latch that I'm not, not, well, not worthy to bear. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with power. And that's what he did when he came, right? Amen. Glory be to God. I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with power. But John found himself in the scriptures. And it bore witness to him. He says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight his past. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now, you know what's interesting? Jesus said regarding John the Baptist, this is really a really cool thing that he said about John. He says, he goes, of all the prophets back through the Old Testament, oh, I mean all the way back from years, the years of Ezekiel and Isaiah, of all the prophets, he says, there's not a greater than John the Baptist, of all the prophets than John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. See, all the other prophets didn't see Jesus. They were, they were dead and gone. They finished their course. They did their mission, right? They were gone. Isaiah was gone for years. Ezekiel was gone for years. Jeremiah was gone for years. But then here comes a prophet, John the Baptist, who actually was there to witness Jesus, baptize him, talk with him, fellowship with him, he said there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he didn't stop there. Jesus went on to say, however, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Now what's that, what's that mean? He said, man, he's the greatest of all prophets. Yet, if you're in the kingdom of God, you're greater than him. What does that mean? Would you like the interpretation of that? Okay. All the Old Testament, you know, John the Baptist uh, was operating under the Old Covenant because the New Testament didn't start until Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So, in other words, nobody could go to heaven at all until Jesus was raised from the dead. So, where did all the Old Testament believers and saints go? They went to a place called paradise in Luke chapter 16, Abraham's bosom, which, is, which was in a, a compartment in the earth, a holding place in the earth. It was called paradise. It wasn't bad. Okay? But when Jesus rose from the dead, he let, led captivity captive. He emptied paradise, and then he took them to heaven. So that place no longer exists. Okay? You see, nobody could go to heaven without Jesus. Nobody. Okay? So all the Old Testament believers, including John the Baptist, you know, uh, they had to go to that place until Jesus was raised from the dead. And, he, and the, the Ephesians says he led captivity captive and he went into there. And that's why on, on his resurrection day you'll see people that were raised from the dead, people that were alive physically. Years ago they're walking the streets of Jerusalem. That would freak people out. Okay? Because they're on their way. He's taking them up to heaven. He led captivity captive. Now that place no longer exists. You can read about it in Luke chapter 16. 
It was a temporary compartment in the side of Hades and hell, non-torment side, okay? But that place no longer exists. Jesus emptied that place. You you understand that? But, But Jesus said, of all the prophets, John the Baptist was the greatest. However, if you're in the kingdom of God, then you're greater than even John the Baptist. So here's the interpretation of that, I believe. If you're in the kingdom of God, John the Baptist was not in that kingdom yet. And the Bible says, when the kingdom of God cometh, you'll not look here and look there because the kingdom, Jesus said, the kingdom of God will be in you. The kingdom, the kingdom, the king lives in a domain where inside. All right? And all those apostles, they couldn't experience that until Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's why you'll see in John chapter 20, it says when he appeared to them after his resurrection, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's when they were born again. Okay? Now you'll see them getting baptized in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 in the, in the book of Acts a few years later. Okay? And that's subsequent to salvation. They were, when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, that's when they were born again. Because he had been raised from the dead. They got saved just like that, right? But then separately they got baptized with the Holy Ghost and endowment of power in Acts chapter 2. And they got baptized with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And I'll tell you, that's, that, that, that experience is available for every believer today. Are you with me? Jesus insisted that his disciples didn't even leave Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. He commanded them not to even leave Jerusalem. Well, if that was a command back then, I would think that it is today as well. Amen? God wants us to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want to give you the opportunity today if you, to, to really focus on, on, on these, these scriptures right here. I am God's workmanship created in Christ to good works, Ephesians 2.10. I am a new creature. Amen. I'm a believer. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. These, these are scriptures that you're looking in the mirror. You're seeing uh, of who you are. Now, as you begin to practice these verses, you may not see a bunch of change right, right at the moment. You say, Pastor, you know, I mean, I've got problems at home, you know. I've got a broken refrigerator. My dryer's broken. I need help at home. I understand that. What's that have to do with this? Well, let me tell you something. When you start seeing yourself in Christ, the things that seem to dog you and make it, make it so tough on you and so rough on you will no longer look impossible to you. When you see things through God's eyes, the impossible is no longer impossible. All things are possible. Praise God. That's why when I, when I pray and I spend time with Jesus and I get out alone with Him and I, I mean, all of a sudden things that seemed impossible no longer look impossible. The things that look challenging are like, that's nothing for the God that lives on the inside of me. That's nothing. Hallelujah, that's no big deal. Because now you're starting to see things through God's perspective. Amen. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment right here. I believe God wants to say something to us right now. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. For you see, saith the Lord, when you meditate upon my word and you meditate on the scriptures that tell you who you are in me, no longer will you be able to be held back. No longer will you be able to be defeated. For you see, you're seeing it as I see it, even right now. So focus on my word and focus on what the, what, the way my word is written about you. And yes, focus on the way I see you. And you will come up out of the miry clay and I'll put your feet upon a rock and the things that used to hold you back and the things that used to dog you and the things that used to weigh you down will no longer stop you for you see, you'll see yourself through a clear image of how I see you. And when you see yourself the way I see you, no longer will the impossible be the impossible for all things are possible to him that believeth. So believe my word. Believe what my word says about you and you'll rise up like a mighty warrior. And those things will no longer hold you back. They'll fall by the wayside. And you'll walk as a prince. You'll walk as a king. And you'll walk as a conqueror in this life for that's your destination. That's what I call you, saith the Lord. So walk in my word. Speak what I've said about you. And good things will take place in your life saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We bless and we honor you today, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Let's take, just take a little moment to praise God. Just lift your voice a little bit. Just lift your voice. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Worship you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Praise God. Hallelujah. For I have not destined, saith the Lord, that the church be a place of just a mere ritual when you come together on Sundays, though that is good. It's not destined to just be a mere ritual. For it is to be a place of transformation. For my gathering together, as you see the day approaching, is a place of transformation a place of deliverance, a place of safety, a place of refuge. So as you come together and you join yourself together, my revelation of who you are will become stronger and stronger and stronger and you'll rise up like a mighty army and march out of here with victory in your heart like you've never seen before. And there'll be great testimonies that will come forth from this place and from this body and from you as individuals in this body. For you make up the body. And it's not by your might that I've said, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit that the changes will take place. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.